what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 5. This is the the end of the first week of us doing this podcast. How do you feel, Julia? Good. Holding up? Yes. You haven't, haven't, <laughs> I've been too fatigued yet? Cause no, not at all. Doing this day in and day out hasn't broken us yet. I mean, we've got four movies to go through, so I certainly hope we're not uh, breaking down at this point. Anyway, minute five begins with Sars checking in on Charlie and Roop after their spin out, and it ends with Charlie upset with Roop's blaspheming. The first thing we have happen in this moment, because Charlie and Roop just had their spin out, is Sars kind of checks behind them and jumps on the radio and asks if they're okay, and asks them to acknowledge. This got me thinking that Sars and Scuttle are really underused in this movie. Yeah, I think so. It occurs to me that if the roles had been reversed, if it had been March Hare to spin out and Big Bopper to continue on, would Charlie and Roop have checked on Sars and Scuttle? I think Charlie would have been concerned and I think Roop wouldn't have cared. Yeah, that Roop... seems... And I gotta wonder, because you don't really see Sars and Scuttle later on in the movie. There's another scene at the Halls of Justice. There's another scene in the hospital and i don't remember seeing either of them in those scenes um i'm probably gonna get proved wrong because i'm trying to think many many minutes ahead of time yeah but they don't have large meaningful roles right they're certainly not part of the story yeah they're kind of tertiary characters and i wonder if their role is minimized because they are so competent right this isn't a movie about competent people yeah it's about people slowly losing their minds (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to remember yes this movie is rated r but yes i'm also trying to keep the podcast family friendly yes because a lot easier to market family friendly material anyway so after sars calls for charlie and roop on the radio we get our first big exclamation from the night rider basically screaming do you see me toe cutter do you see me man because i think before then he hadn't he really was, said anything. Yeah, he was just screaming, screaming incoherently. Yeah. But what I like about this is that we do kind of get an introduction to the idea of the toe cutter. Yes. A real quick fun fact mm-hmm. about Knight Rider. The actor is Vince Gill. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to play a character in 2012 named Toe Cutter. Really? Yes. It was a TV series called Conspiracy 365. Okay. And his character's name was Toe Cutter. I think that this also gives us a little insight into Knight Rider that, first of all, he's, it sounds like he's part of Toe Cutter's gang. Yes, I I think you're right. And he also sounds like he has something to prove to Toe Cutter. Mm -hmm. Maybe him getting arrested and being in custody diminished his role in the gang, um, which we kind of see later on with Johnny the Boy after his incarceration. They're, they don't seem to be hugely fond of him in the gang. So maybe Knight Rider, part of his motivation for escaping is to prove himself 
to Toe Cutter. That he has the capacity to be an equal in the gang. Yeah. I like that you brought that up because I think it parallels uh, Johnny the Boy's situation later on. That because you found yourself in police custody, you have to do something outrageous to kind of redeem yourself in right. his eyes. And when we eventually see Toe Cutter show up and interact with Knight Rider, <laughs> there is that recognition that stealing the car and killing the cop, you know, was a thing that Toe Cutter found a lot of value in. Mm-hmm. We mentioned earlier the idea of, do we think Knight Rider is on something? Yes. I kind of asked that question of myself as well like is it a drug or is it just he has a manic and crazed personality is he truly psychotic like sars suggested mm-hmm. which i am kind of on sars's side i think he has a psychotic personality because next week we're going to see that there seems to be a switch that flips and he stops being so outrageous the thing is there could be arguments made for either side Right. If he's on something, he could just be coming off of it, or his psychotic episode could be ending. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, they both they both seem plausible. That again makes me wonder about the girl. Mm-hmm. Is she also a terminal psychotic? Is she just along for the ride because she's Knight Rider's girl and that's what you do? Is she also on something? When Sars labels him a terminal psychotic... That tells us Knight Rider does not expect to survive this mm-hmm. chase. He probably knows from the beginning that he'll, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, so does she, I would assume. I can't imagine that they really expect to survive and get away. I think there is an element of them expecting to get away. And I think as crazy as he is, I think she is kind of feeding off of that energy. Mm-hmm. And just being as manic yeah, because thinking ahead, yeah, thinking ahead, I think we'll see more of that. Like, she's kind of a, a mirror of him, and I think he is special to her in some way. I mean, granted, in the credits, she's labeled as Knight Rider's girl. That is the entirety of her character. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely see that, that she wants to be with him, and he's super focused on the car more so than her. Like, yes, because most of the time that we see her so far, she is turned towards him. Mm-hmm. Or holding on to him or yes. anything like that. I kind of put down in my notes, like, what purpose does the Knight Rider serve? And I kind of wrote a couple of things about how George Miller wanted to start off his movie with an action scene. Mm-hmm. All good action movies start with an introductory action scene to hook the people that love action. He wanted to present an antagonist for our characters to go up against, but he needed them to not necessarily be eclipsing of any of the antagonists that we have further on down the road. Yeah. So he had a taste of what's coming. Night Rider. And of course he's he's obnoxious, he's wild, he's dangerous, he's instantly identifiable as the bad guy. And another thing that Night Rider does is that he introduces us as I said before to the idea of Toe Cutter. If we've got this crazy psychopath in a car speeding down the highway and he's referring to this other bad guy seeking recognition for his actions what is toe cutter like yeah so i'd also say that when you think about the the behavior of knight rider he's a good foil to max because for how boastful and loud and disrespectful of the law as knight rider is max is pretty much the opposite he's got a lot of respect for the captain he's got a lot of respect for his position 
he doesn't go around boasting about his own ability. He's mm-hmm. kind of a the the polar opposite, which I think is not super clear that we're supposed to think that about Max based on what we see in the movie. But upon an examination of it, you can kind of see that developing. Yes, I agree. As the pursuit it continues, Roop jumps on the radio and he says that uh, that they're okay, and he tells March Hare to keep going, and so Sars continues and we go from that little radio chatter to Knight Rider and his first little monologue. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick before we start in on that monologue, I would just like to note that March Hare radios over to Big Bopper saying, Are you okay? Big Bopper says, Yep, go on and March Hare says, Okay, we're gone. You get a shot of Knight Rider followed by March Hare continuing the pursuit. March Hare their exhaust is black. Yeah. That car is not in good shape. It is in pretty bad shape. Um, aesthetically, it seems to be mostly fine, but mechanically, I'm not so sure. But they're the ones expected to keep going with the pursuit. Yeah. I mean, at that moment, they're in better shape than Big Bopper, but I just, yeah. Yeah, it is billowing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. And it had to have been, well, perhaps not. I was going to say, it had to have been a, a purposeful decision to make the car do that. But, I mean, again, low budget. These cars were not necessarily mechanically sound. Mm. So maybe that's just how it happened. Maybe that car let out a belch of smoke, and it looked good, and it filmed good, and so they went with it. Yeah. Plus, you got to think... If, if we are in the decline of civilization, there's not going to be someone going around checking the emissions. emissions. <laughs> no. There's, there's no emission check stations. Nope. There's no smog regulations. So, hey, yeah. it runs. It was able to run down Knight Riders. Yeah, they so, stayed on him. So I guess, I guess it's fine. Mm-hmm. So then we get into his, his classic villain monologue. Yeah. Now, what's kind of cool is that while Knight Rider is doing his little rant the perspective that we see is max putting on his glasses and reaching up onto the dash to get his gloves Mm -hmm. so you could almost say that even though i mentioned before that the knight rider is kind of a foil for max you could also say that maybe george miller is trying to to let us know that maybe max was also born with a steering wheel in his hand and led in his foot you know cruising at the speed of fright I wouldn't say that he's necessarily a fuel-injected suicide machine, but um, that's an interesting juxtaposition. It is. And I now that you say that, I kind of see that as foreshadowing. I don't know how much George Miller had planned for future movies, but Max does get madder and madder and is more and more about the car, which, by the way, the car he ends up in is a Pursuit Special, mm-hmm. same car that Knight Rider is, is driving. That is good. So I think that we are meant to put Mad Max in that position mm-hmm. of Born with the Steering Wheel in his hand in the Pursuit Special, because that's where he ends up. Oh, that is good. I didn't even notice that before. So after we hear the Knight Rider ranting about his his different qualities, <laughs> we obviously we get the third instance of us not seeing Max's face, yep. which is getting really tired for you. <laughs> yep, yep, it is. And they just keep doing it. And then they slowly, like, we see the bottom half of his face. Mm-hmm. And it's wearing on me. I think they could have achieved the same effect of, you know, slowly revealing the hero. 
in a shorter amount of time. Mm. So I know how what he's going to look like. Like we know what he looks like because we've watched these minutes and this movie so many times. Yeah. But I almost feel like when you finally see him, it's kind of a, a Kylo Ren moment where you, you finally see him full face and you're like, oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. But. I'm always surprised, starting with, I think it's in this minute, where we get a, a shot of the bottom half of his face mm-hmm. by how young he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Young Mel Gibson. We should definitely oh, go yeah. into that when he finally comes on camera. Yeah. Um, because always surprised right after you see his face i think it's the next scene you see him not only full faced but without a shirt on so yeah we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it yep we'll get there so we get the shot of max putting on his gloves and his sunglasses and then it goes back to roop just standing on the side of the road just fuming yep fuming just about as much as the vehicle (laughs) but um in the aftermath of the crash the hood of the car is just hanging by a thread (laughs) yeah i thought about that i'm like what about their crash knocked the hood off so they i well no they did hit the sign but it was just a wooden sign so they went up over the road yeah down into the shoulder Spun around, hit the sign, and somewhere in there, the latch that held the hood closed must yeah. have let go. And then the wind tore Broke up the, it the off. hood. Okay, and all then right, as I they see were that. Spinning, it you know kind of stopped holding on, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, so, I see that. At first, I was like, "What? That wasn't that bad." They spun out, landed in the dirt. Yeah. I, like they crashed. But okay. No, I'm I'll not. I'm not part of the Roop fan club. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a huge part fan of his character. But the fact that he is so frustrated that he takes out that frustration on the hood of the car and just <laughs> rips it off with his bare hands. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, so he's he's so mad. And meanwhile, and then they cut to Charlie, and Charlie's just in the car, turning over the engine. Yep. Turning over <laughs> get it to work. And then he... So he gets the car going, and Roop starts to walk around the front of the car towards the driver's side. After completely ripping off the After completely ripping it off and, like, throwing it into the road, Charlie, again, has this look on his face. Yep. Same look he had when he wanted to drive a few minutes ago. It's just the look of a newbie. Yes, exactly. And he just so sheepishly... What's the what's the exact line he uses? I think we're mobile. I think we're still mobile. <laughs> Roop just gives him this look. Yes. Just this look of like, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> and it, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit, going back to our talk about petrol heads. Jeremy Clarkson. It reminds me of Jeremy Clarkson. Just the whole, I'm fed up with your shenanigans. <laughs> yes. We're going to do it this my is, way. For Christ's sakes, move over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, he says, for Christ's sake, shove over. Yep. And then Charlie, oh, poor innocent Charlie. Yep. This is technically in the next minute, but you wanted to Absolutely. To These lines need to be kept together. They are gold. Yep. So Roop, for Christ's sake, shove over and Charlie looks at him with that little face of his. Mm-hmm. He says, you're blaspheming again. Yep. <laughs> I don't have to work with a blasphemer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. They've just... he's so he's exerting his rights. Mm-hmm. He does not have to put up with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet in this 
semi-apocalyptic setting. There's not something like an HR department. Nope. In the MFP. But at the same time, like he's gotta he's gotta stand up for himself a right. little bit. He's gotta You like... have to be your own advocate. Exactly. If you don't want to work with a blasphemer, then you have to tell that blasphemer <laughs> that you are not going to put up with it. Yeah. And it's funny because this is not the first time Roop has said a reference to Jesus. Because he said, you know, rip the guts out, give it the bejesus when they're riding up towards the the Knight Rider. And it's not super clear. I don't think Charlie's necessarily listening to him. But I, I don't remember seeing any sort of like overt grimace. But you can kind of, you can kind of imagine that that's kind of strike strike one yeah for Roop and yeah. then when he says for Christ's sake shove over Charlie's like oh, I got I got to stand up for myself yep I don't have to I don't have to take that yep and we do get a clear shot that the rosary beads we saw earlier they are in big bopper yep. hanging from the rearview mirror so earlier when I said it might have been in March hair it's not it's yep. in big bopper so it's just another example of you know, Charlie has maybe not as much experience on the Force, but he does have that element to his character. Yep, he has a belief system, and he's standing up for it. Yeah, which is kind of nice, because, I mean, he does get shoved around. Like, he does end up shoving over. Yep. So that Roop can take the driver's seat, which, oh, next week we're going to get into why that's that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> does not does not end well. Yep. So to speak. I uh, I do have to wonder how the last two minutes would have been different if Roop was successful in, a few minutes ago and was driving. Mm. If he had gotten Charlie to move over and if he was driving when they intersected with Knight Rider, how it would have played out differently. So I I hate to give Roop credit. I really do. But if Roop had been driving, he probably would have instructed Charlie to take the shotgun and probably would have done that maneuver that I was talking about last minute when I went off on my diatribe about how their plan was a bad plan. Yes. Roop probably would have been the guy to pull up alongside them and then have Charlie blow him away. But that being said, they probably would have gotten in such a position that Charlie would have gotten to that point and then be like, oh, I don't want to shoot him. He probably would have had something to say about it because they just don't work well together. And I'm pretty sure whatever plan one of them came up with, the other one would have pushed back against. Yeah, I can Yeah, I can see that happening. So yeah, I, I can't imagine that it would have worked out successfully. Just it would have worked out unsuccessfully in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of we noticed later on that both of those cars being in the pursuit doesn't really pay off. It's really only once Max comes into the picture that things actually happen. Yep. In such a way to end the pursuit. So I think we leave off this week with Knight Rider still on the loose with March Hare chasing him. Yep. We know that Big Bopper is running again and uh, we assume that we'll, assume that we'll see them rejoin. Yep. And Max is just taking still taking his, his time. Sweet time. Get a sweet time. Because <laughs> really, when you're as good as Max, do you really need to rush? Apparently not. Apparently not. Oh, young Mel Gibson before he went truly crazy in real life. <laughs> but that's that's another story for another time, I guess. 
Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash MadMaxMinute. Thank you for joining us for the end of our first week of Mad Max Minute. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and men. Take